So I guess the last show sucked. Welcome to episode number 154 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That is R-A-N-D-U-M-B-Thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. On today's show, I'm going to be talking about adventures in grocery shopping, cryptocurrencies, social media, and a little bit of culture whiplash. But starting out with the grocery fun, as I've mentioned before, my wife and I have been doing a lot of shopping via the internet, just going picking up the order at our local grocery store. And overall, I think it's a really good experience. You don't have to spend any time in the store, especially now with mask mandates back. And it saves a whole lot of time. And it's not like they're charging for the service as of right now. Any order over $35, which thanks to Joe Biden and the grocery prices, that's pretty much any trip to the store. They don't charge you anything. You just show up. You let them know you're there. They bring the items out to your car. And overall, the system works okay. Now, yesterday, there was a little bit of an issue. One, they forgot a couple of the items. And that's kind of a pain in the ass once you get home and realize that. But also, when my wife went to pick up the items, they told her that you're not supposed to be picking up these items outside of your window. So how this works, and this is a Myers store, but you place your order online. They give you a window that the order will be ready. So for us, usually the way this has been working is, you know, you get up on Tuesday, which is when we do the groceries around 10 a.m. or so, go onto the Meyer website. We place the order online. They give you the time window where they're guaranteed to have your order ready. If you're doing this at 10 a.m., usually that is between 2 and 3 or between 3 and 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And that's all fine and dandy. But their system will also then text you and email you, letting you know when the order is actually ready to be picked up. And this has happened within an hour to two hours of placing the order quite often. So rather than waiting until three o'clock, we just go and pick up the order. And that's never been a problem because the order's ready. Now, yesterday, maybe the employee was just having a bad day or something like that. I get it. But the concept here to me is if you're going to tell me when I place the order that it's going to be ready, guaranteed between three and four, why email me or text me again? If it's just going to be ready between three and four and you don't want me or you don't want to allow people to pick up that order early, it would seem to me that by sending out an extra email at like 11 a.m. noon saying, hey, your order's ready for your pickup. We'll see you during your time window. Well, that says to me it's already ready and you can come pick it up anytime and you've beaten the window that you told me. And if I really wanted to pick it up in that window, I could. That's not a problem. But since you're now telling me that it's ready early, then I think 
it should be okay to go pick it up. And maybe I'm just reading this wrong. And if I am, feel free to reach out and let me know. But I thought that was kind of an annoying thing. It's like, really? This is an area. I think we have more grocery stores within about five miles of our home than we do pizza places and Starbucks. So, I mean, this tells you there are plenty of shopping options. And maybe this person at the Meyer was just having a bad day. That's a very easy thing to do, I think, to walk business to another shop. It's like, if you don't want the business, that's fine. And if you don't want people picking items up early, don't email and text saying, hey, your order is ready. I mean, I'm sure the best answer would actually be to place the order on Monday night and just pick a time where we actually want to pick it up. But I think there's multiple issues with the Meyer system, including also then not letting you know when they say your order's ready, they don't let you know which items in your order they don't have. And due to COVID and a lot of supply chain stuff, this has been a common problem, not having items. And that is not the fault of the store, although it is their fault when their computer system says that they have the item and they don't. Now, I ordered for weeks the keto bagels put out by a company called Sola, and they're really good for keto bagels. I mean, they taste like regular bagels, chocolate chip, regular good stuff, but they were not pre-sliced, and that's fine. So back in July, I looked this up the other day because I received the bagel slicer that I ordered on the evil Amazon site on July 14th. And since July 14th, every week, the keto bagels have been out of stock. They have not had them. This is Murphy's law. I ordered a bagel slicer that's now been sitting in the cupboard for two months and has not been used yet. So I think maybe the universe is trying to tell me something. I don't know. Overall, highly recommend the picking up your groceries, ordering it online. There's still some bugs in the system, but it still is a major convenience. And I know we're getting lazy. We're getting used to all of this stuff where the whole gig economy, people doing everything for you, bringing deliveries to your house, all that kind of stuff. But I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Now, the cryptocurrency market we've talked about a little bit, it's continuing the roller coaster ride up and down. And that's not really a surprise. I am still hanging tough with the Cardano that I have. It's an altcoin that is going to be competing more and more with the big boys, Bitcoin and Ethereum. And it's like Vegas, though. I mean, you can't put more money in it than you can afford to lose. It's just a fun little thing to play around with and watch it go up and watch it go down. I mean, it's fun when it goes up, but it can go down in a heartbeat. And a lot of times the reason the crypto is going up and down really is anybody's guess. But there was an event recently which is showing how the Internet, social media, all this kind of stuff plays in. To these massive, really mood swings that the crypto market has. And this was the case of somebody putting out a false press release, making it look like it was a Walmart press release, which is also an interesting scam 
to me because I would think it would be fairly easy to put out a fake press release from a variety of smaller companies, things that can go under the radar, companies that normally don't put out huge press releases and stuff like that. But I would think it would be harder to put out a press release as this one was pretending to be from Walmart and the folks over at Litecoin claiming that Walmart had come to an agreement with the Litecoin folks and they were now going to be accepting this cryptocurrency in all of their stores, blah, blah, blah. Needless to say, the Litecoin prices instantly spiked by about 34%. And then they found out that the press release was not real. And then the whole crypto market just kind of bottomed out again for a little while because these coins, even though they're separate, a lot of the times they all kind of move in a similar way day to day. It's very interesting when you watch the top five or 10 coins that on the days they're up, usually they're all up on the days they're down. Usually they're all down. It's rare. It's happened every now and then, but it's rare that the crypto market overall is crashing, but one sole coin is surging on that particular uh, day. So it's an interesting thing to watch, but understand that social media press releases you see online, this has turned into a huge game. Of course, it could have just been a huge pump and dump scheme, which of course would be illegal if people are caught. But say you buy a bunch of Litecoin and you put out a fake press release, and your coin value goes up 35% and you dump it before anybody realizes that the press release was not good. Of course, there is money to be made there. But the internet as a whole, social media, I don't think it should be a surprise to anybody that it is having an effect on society. The question is what that effect may be. Is it positive or is it negative? Of course, it's a mixture. It's good for some things. It's bad for others. I think it is bad 100% for anybody whose brain is still mush, anybody under the age of 18 or so, before you have any kind of real head on your shoulders and can put things into perspective. I don't think it's a surprise. To hear things and the Wall Street Journal has done some really good reporting on social media over the last few weeks. We talked about a story on how TikTok just wants to keep your eyeballs. And TikTok is no different than any other social media site out there. They want to keep you engaged with their content. I mean, podcasts are the same way. I'm putting out content and I hope that you stick with it and listen to it from episode to episode and from start to finish. And if I'm putting out good content that is engaging, hopefully that works. Now, what TikTok puts out there is an interesting mix picked by algorithms. We talked about on the last episode, the difference between TikTok being short form video and YouTube being long form video. And me thinking it's really weird that people will sit around for hours and watch a bunch of short videos in a row that are kind of randomly 
put up on their screen. But this is the magic that TikTok has working in the background is that they have an algorithm that's like, oh, well, you've watched this, this and this. And you've interacted a little bit with these by not swiping them away or by liking them or however the social media you're watching works. And then they put together a dossier on you and they guess what you want to see next. And they do this really, really well. And we talked about this with that Wall Street Journal article, how they had created a bunch of fake accounts for fake people and then looked at how TikTok served them different types of videos based upon what they have done on the platform with these fake accounts. Now, as part of that, a story has come out more recently about one of those fake accounts, which was allegedly, of course, fake. Well, no, it wasn't allegedly fake. It was really fake, but it was an alleged 13-year-old boy who searched the term OnlyFans which, of course, is the members-only website where there's a lot of pornography and stuff going on. And the 13-year-old over on TikTok that was a fake account for the Wall Street Journal that searched for OnlyFans was sent down a rabbit hole into a lot of uh, not-child-safe material. According to the Wall Street Journal, the algorithm for TikTok pushed the user into a rabbit hole that many users call kink talk, which featured content including whips, chains, torture devices. Some of the content they said, which would, when seen, be banned by the platforms. So understand if your kids are on social media, they may be seeing a lot of bad stuff. There is nothing you can do once you give them the device and let them get on it to protect them from this. So again, you might want to think about not giving them the device. You might want to think about having some really long conversations with your kids. If you're going to give them a device, warning them about what can be found online and the dangers thereof. According to this Wall Street Journal article, TikTok served one of the accounts registered to a 13-year-old at least 569 videos about drug use references to cocaine and meth addiction, and promotional videos for online sales of drug products and paraphernalia. Hundreds of similar videos also appeared in the feeds of the other accounts registered to, again, the fake miners from the Wall Street Journal that they had set up. And also TikTok showed the journal's teenage underage users more than 100 videos from accounts recommending paid pornography sites and sex shops. Thousands of others were from creators who labeled their content as adults only. And this all cycled through the screens of the alleged minors on TikTok. So, of course, I mean, I think that is a pretty easy to understand negative when it comes to social media is there is just some content being served that you probably don't want your kids to run into. You probably don't want to run into it either. Moving over to Facebook and Instagram, which Instagram is a Facebook-owned company, the Wall Street Journal doing more actual journalism here, which revealed some of the things that internal studies 
that Facebook slash Instagram have done that Facebook is not really being so open and honest about, including research from Instagram themselves that showed that 32% of teen girls said that when they felt bad about their body image, Instagram made them feel worse. I don't think that should be a surprise to anybody. I don't think that should be a surprise at all because social media is a world that is not based upon reality. It allows people to create whatever world they want and put it out there for various reasons. And we've gone after companies like Victoria's Secret, who is now a completely different company than they were a year or two ago because they were not showing the average woman's body. They were not doing anything but putting out harmful stereotypes of what women should look like, that they should be tall and thin and beautiful, and we can't have that. But that's really all that social media does because those are the people that are tall and beautiful and thin that get the most likes, that get the most followers, that the content is embraced more than the rest of us schlubs, which don't fall into the supermodel category. So I don't think it should be a surprise that teenage girls consuming social media find it to be a negative experience. At least a lot of them do. Internal Facebook message board posts, which was also verified by the Wall Street Journal, showed that comparisons on Instagram can change how young women view and describe themselves. Again, they're putting things out there that other people are going to try to live up to, that they're going to try to compare to, because you see your content compared to somebody else's content. Instagram, this is mainly uh, photographs, short form video, but this shouldn't be a surprise to anybody that knows how the world works. But Facebook has been studying this for years and their data is showing that using the platform, in this case, Instagram is harmful for a large percentage of their users, especially teen girls. One of the slides in the presentation from this Facebook research, which again, private Facebook information here, said, we make body image issues worse for one in three teen girls. Now, does that mean Facebook should shut down? See, I don't think that's the case. I don't think Instagram should be held responsible for the issues that this causes, because I think this is a much larger thing that has been going on in the world long before social media. Social media just amplifies this because now rather for teenage girls, as this example, rather than comparing themselves to the other teenage girls that go to their high school or whatever, their friends, well, now they're comparing themselves to every teenage girl and every 20-something that they're seeing on Instagram, social media, TikTok. So their world has really opened up. And that can be a great thing when people are trying to get information out there. I mean, I think it's a great thing as a podcaster that I can put an episode out and people from all over the world are listening 
But you have to wonder if parents for a lot of these kids understand the negative aspects that having access to the world through social media can have on their kids. One of the other internal Facebook slides on this Instagram study said, quote, teens blame Instagram for increases in the rate of anxiety and depression. This reaction was unprompted and consistent across all groups. According to the Wall Street Journal, among teens who reported suicidal thoughts, 13% of British users and 6% of American users traced their desire to kill themselves to Instagram. There is no denying that these social media platforms have an effect on everybody that uses them, and especially with younger folks. More than 40% of Instagram users are 22 and younger, and about 22 million teens log into Instagram each and every day, compared to about 5 million teens logging into Facebook. Yeah, Facebook is dead among the younger set, and Facebook is dead even among us oldies because Facebook kind of sucks. Instagram kind of sucks too. I mean, they all really suck, but Instagram is being used way more than Facebook. On average, the article says teens in the United States spend 50% more time on Instagram than they do Facebook. I would have guessed higher. The problem with all of this, again, is that Facebook has been playing down these effects publicly, which I get because this is their platform. And the minute they stand up, this would be like the cigarette companies coming out and saying, hey, hey, we know our products killing people, but hey, we really would like you to buy and smoke. Facebook, the social media, the same way. I understand they can't come out and say, hey, we know the services that we're making billions of dollars on are really negative for all of your kids. But, you know, can you get them on and give uh, give all their time to us? Because that's really what we need. Mark Zuckerberg said in a congressional hearing this year in March, quote, the research that we've seen is that using social apps to connect with other people can have positive mental health benefits. Well, he's kind of playing down the whole people want to commit suicide from using his product, but I get it. In May, Instagram's head, Adam Mosseri, told reporters that research he had seen suggests that the app's effects on teens' well-being is likely, quote, quite small. And in a recent interview, he said, in no way do I mean to diminish these issues. Some of these issues mentioned in this story aren't unnecessarily widespread, but their impact on people may be huge. He said he believes Facebook was late to realizing that there were drawbacks to connecting people in such large numbers, saying, quote, I've been pushing very hard for us to embrace our responsibilities more broadly. I don't know exactly what that means, but the reality is social media for a lot of kids is a very negative experience to the point to where some may consider suicide based upon what happens to them while using these apps. It's because they're being shown a world that they either don't understand that they cannot be a part of, that is probably not real. And it's really an interesting thing when you see how different groups react to things like social media 
whether they use it or not. I recently watched a few videos on YouTube where a guy goes into different communities and kind of gets the lay of the land. And the ones I've watched recently were a few that went into an Amish and Mennonite community and a few that went into the inner cities in L.A. and New York. And was interesting to me that the most well-rounded happy group appeared to be this group of Mennonites that didn't use social media, that their kids actually played outside, that they weren't tied to devices all day long. And this was a group that used electricity. They used modern conveniences. They used vehicles rather than the horse and buggy. And a lot of them had phones, including smartphones. But the ones that had smartphones had an app installed that basically turned everything off except for the texting and calling. They seemed way happier without having social media, without having the Internet. We're unaware of a lot of the politics going on in the world. And again, probably a much healthier thing for your mental health to not know about any of the politics that are going on. The interesting thing, one of the guys in Watts, I believe it was in the Los Angeles area, that when asked about why there were more issues lately, when it came to violence and all of this, actually pointed to social media as one of the biggest problems that the gangs were now using social media to taunt each other, to show off their wares, to brag, to show off their weapons, all this kind of stuff. So social media was having a much, much more negative effect than I ever even imagined when it came to that kind of stuff, that it could actually be causing more gang violence because these guys are on Instagram. It's crazy when you think about it. But one of the other stories that I saw, which really made sense to me, was, oh, this is a dangerous trend. Don't do it. And rightfully so, because I've seen people doing it where their kids are going back to school And they're holding up a big sign that's like, here's my name, here's my location, here's what class I'm in. And it's like, stop giving your personal information online. Stop posting this information. It is bad. Do not give people ways to find you, to track you down, to use your information against you. If you're on Facebook or one of these sites and you see one of these otherwise seemingly asinine things like hey your porn name is the street you grew up on and the last four digits of your social security number what is it (laughs) well you do realize you're just giving them information that most of these websites use to confirm your you and unlock your account if you're like hey i forgot my password goes way beyond mother's maiden name now a lot of these sites ask the same stupid question who was your favorite teacher as a kid well then you see these things on facebook like oh your porn name is your favorite teacher as a kid mixed with and people are so stupid they fall into this crap never give out personal information online if you've learned anything from this show make it that never give out personal information 
online. Do not partake in those stupid things on Facebook. Do not partake in those stupid things on any social media platform. And if you have kids who are going to be on social media, I mean, one, keep them off social media. But if you can't, tell them, do not use your real name. Definitely don't use your real last name. I mean, I was stupid and did this from day one. So I'm very easy to track down. But don't use your real name on social media. If you have a nickname, use that. Never use your last name. Don't post any photos that they can identify the location, meaning if you're always hanging out at the local ice cream shop, which there is one in the town right around here, that is a small little one or two location ice cream shop. Well, if you're always posting pictures out in front of that, well, people know where they can find you, where you live. Also, turn off the GPS on your phone because some of these apps do not strip that information out when the photos are posted. And that will be much easier to find you because you think, hey, I'm just posting a picture in my bedroom. Nothing to see here. Nobody can find me. And you don't turn the GPS off. Yeah, they can find you. Gangs are using social media. Come on. You want to be safe. You want to try to protect your personal information as much as possible. And I think we could all take a little bit of guidance from the Mennonites, the Amish, and get off social media. Or if you can't get off entirely, limit your time on social media. I think you'll be happier. I think you'll be a little bit better adjusted. And you will definitely be less anxiety written. You'll be more calm because you're not dealing with stuff that overall does not matter. Worry about yourself and your health. Worry about your family and their health. Worry about your close friends. And once you start getting beyond that, the rest of the world, let them worry about themselves. And in a blatant plug, if you want to get a little rage out or on, Go check out the show that I'm doing with Larry Blydner of that Larry show. It's called Planet Rage, and you can find it at planetrage.show. We just posted our third episode this week, and I think we're just starting to hit our stride. So check it out if you can. And here on the Random Thoughts podcast, we do appreciate you taking the time to listen to this show. We hope you turn a few friends on to it. We do work on the value for value model, which means we put the shows out there. You put a value on them. And then go over to randomthoughts.com slash donate, click the donate button, use the QR codes or wallet addresses if you want to use the crypto thing or the PO box address if you want to go the snail mail route. Those are all valid ways to support the show. And we appreciate everyone that has done that in the past today. Nobody. So I guess the last show sucked. That's possible. Let me know what you want to hear. By reaching out, Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N at Random Thoughts, R-A-N-D-U-M-B Thoughts.com. Let me know what's on your mind. With that said, I will be back again to hassle you and annoy you with the words coming out of my mouth. But until then, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening. 